All right, all right. How's everyone doing today? Woo! I love it. We're just the Woo Church. We should have named ourselves that. Um, yeah, I guess we shouldn't do that, huh? All right. Well, anyway, we're going to start. Uh, we, not start. We're, we're in it. We're the week three of our Supernatural series. Um, I want to read the series verse before we give our give it a go. And so if we can go to Galatians chapter 5. Thank you. You're so handsome. Um, give a round of applause to the guy who just gave me water. But like, you know, better, please. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Is that the end of it? That's the end of it. Well, there's supposed to be another verse that I didn't give. Anyway, so the main point is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Guys, we're calling this series Supernatural because we believe that all of those nine things manifest in us as a byproduct of what's alive in us and not as a byproduct of our work towards it, right? And so that's really important. Just like when we believe if you pray for someone and a healing happens, and that's because God supernaturally moved. We call it a work. We call it a miracle we also believe that when God comes upon us there is a work in a miracle and that today we're going to talk about the work in miracle that is peace amen a peace that surpasses all understanding uh, but we got seven minutes because uh, I'm gonna let Deacon Dante the man the myth the legend give you guys seven minutes on what he thinks peace is before I tell you what it really is I love uh, each and every single one of you guys, uh, Pastor West, Pastor Versavio. I'm so grateful um, for this opportunity, and I love all you guys. Amen. So um, as I was looking into this message, um, what really came to mind uh, for the scripture I have is, um, is John 14, 8, uh, 26 through 27. So let me go ahead and get that going. Okay, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Um, God's assurance through his Holy Spirit that we gain from him when we give our life to him is uh, truly peace that comes from him. Nothing like the world, like what we may seem or think that's peace. You know, sometimes we might think peace comes from just family or from friends or just having a good time. But peace truly comes from uh, Christ's love for us and what he did on the cross for us uh, through salvation alone. That can only, the true peace that comes from him. And that no matter what we go through in life, God says in his, by his promises that the peace will surpass all understanding. Even in the toughest moments and the toughest times, God's peace will always be there. It will never leave us. It's for eternity through him, even after we pass away in glory. And um, it's really just awesome because in that we get to uh, enjoy and dwell on that. And that's something that, like I said, that never goes away. 
And um, it's, it's so awesome. And that's pretty much all that I really had. And I know it's, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know what? No. You know what? Um, actually, I just want to give a, a quick uh, testimony that uh, I gained uh, by peace through God. Uh, so I remember early on, uh, I didn't really know God at all. And I was running from God. I knew that God placed me in the church. Uh, that people that just loved me and that were always there for me, and I was just freaked out by it because I've never, because I never experienced uh, such like love from people in my life, even like with family. But like the people that I was surrounded with, it was awesome because they cared about me and they loved me, and they truly just like spoke life into me, even like when I didn't even know them at all, and it was just crazy. Uh, but by the grace of God, God kept on pushing me to come to church and come and get involved in community. And I remember giving my my life to the Lord about two years ago. And I remember in that moment, I was just overwhelmed by the true peace of him. Uh, yeah, I was crying. Yeah, I was crying like a baby. But it was because I knew that God uh, loved me and that I was secure because of that, that I was covered in that moment. And um, even though I didn't know too much about God, I just knew that in that moment that uh, I could trust him and, and, and go forward with him. So, yeah, uh, that's, that's all I have. I just wanted to share that. And I love you guys, and I appreciate you guys so much. And he's single. So if you know someone, help a brother out, you know? <laughs> yeah, applications are at the info booth. They don't come that anointed and that handsome very often. Look, just because Vio found a handsome one and Eliza found a handsome one doesn't mean they all do, you know? So give them a chance. Give them a chance. Um, Look, me and Thomas are sitting in the same boat together. We're best friends. It's fine. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. He's gotten more handsome every year, and it's kind of offensive because when we met, I was more handsome than him. That was a fact, and now I'm just not. So it's just like life has a way of doing that, you know? Yeah, his mom definitely thinks so. Wait, should I be preaching or no? Let's just spend 45 minutes on this topic. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Deacon Dante did amazing. Although I would like to give a shout out to someone from two weeks ago. Thank you, Isaac, for using all seven minutes. I don't know if that means he talks too much or you guys talk too little or maybe something in the middle, but whatever. Um, we're going to talk about peace today. Can y'all say peace? All right. Look to your neighbor and just say, you need some peace. Just, just, Touch their face. No, don't do that. That'd be weird. Uh, but just let them know, you need some peace. And our little, our little, uh, little graphic now is showing the, the dove highlighted because the dove is peace. They call it an olive branch, if you will, right? So that, uh, that whole concept is here, take an olive branch, the dove, the peace, just here's a peace, a moment of peace, right? Um, so we're going to go into the Bible. Uh, I figured that was a good place to start this whole thing. Um, so, uh, Deacon Dante hit peace pretty good. I don't know if you guys remember last week when we were talking about peace, uh, we made a little reference and that reference was that, that peace was more of an external thing, right? So it's my internal confidence of an external truth, right? Where joy is my internal emotions. Uh, and so it's funny because normally I don't, I don't particularly care. The AC turned on, and that scared me. Uh, normally, I don't particularly uh, care if, like, verbiage or wordage is a little off uh, because I, I think sometimes we say things in modern culture, and we just talk about them, and so when we read them in the Bible, we don't totally understand what it is that we're reading. 
And I think peace is a good one uh, because we talked on joy and this week a situation happened and someone uh, was talking to me about their situation and what they said was, but I prayed on it and God gave me peace. And I said, no, that's joy. <laughs> right? So when, when he was saying God gave me peace, what he was saying is I had this internal calm about this external situation and that is actually how God would define joy joy is that I am happy joy is that I'm weathering this joy is that I am content in this situation right now there is an element to that that is peace but really peace is always external and here's my proof uh, whenever you hear if you've been in church long enough whenever you hear someone talk about peace uh, they always go to the Hebrew and they say the Hebrew word is shalom it's a really common, really popular phrase, but here's my proof. Shalom means a lack of enmity between two people. So when you walk up to someone and say shalom, what you're saying to them is, hey, we're friends. And so when you walked into someone's house and the person said shalom to you, they were saying, we're not enemies, we're actually friends and you're welcome into my home. And so peace is always descriptive of something external. Peace is relational. Peace is treaty, peace is contract, right? And so when two nations are at war, they don't have peace. But as Jesus says, he talks about, but if you see from a far way off, they're going to beat you, and you go and make a peace delegation, he's saying so that we wouldn't be at war anymore. And so peace is not an internal feeling. Peace is an external definition of me and God are good. Amen? And so I want to read you this little thing from my commentary, and we're going to go into the Bible. Peace is the product of God having reconciled sinners to himself, so that they are no longer his enemies, which should result in confidence and freedom in approaching God. I'm going to read that one more time for the people in the back. Peace is the product of God having reconciled sinners to himself so that they are no longer his enemies, which should result in confidence and freedom in approaching God. When you sin, do you know why you have a hard time going to God? Because you don't believe there's peace between you. Because you believe now he's mad at me. And I think we've done a disservice by telling people peace is an internal tranquility. Because though there is tranquility to it, peace is actually the fact that I can be confident in the relationship. So confident that I'm calm. So confident that, see, real peace between nations is when I don't even think you're plotting something. Right? But when there's secret things going on underneath and the world thinks they're peace, but there isn't, Shout out to the Cold Wars. Um, well, we just got some underground stuff going on, but no one knows. That's not real peace, right? And so I think many of us have called peace a lack of war. But, but peace is not a lack of war. Peace is, a, peace is a positive relationship rather than the absence of a negative one. And there's a big difference to that, right? And so I want to go to Romans chapter 5. Now, um, Romans chapter 5 is fire. I got you two verses for the day. Normally I read a whole chapter, uh, but we got two verses because these two verses really just fill everything I want to talk to you about. So Romans chapter five, verses one and two, and it's going to say, therefore, therefore, whenever they put a therefore, you got to see what it's there for. Um, but um, 
We're just going to keep moving. Uh, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, those he foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he justified. And that's where we're called to be, right? And, And so faith is what justifies us, and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, So Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. And what that created when we believe in him is peace between me and God. And that's why they call Jesus the prince of peace. Because he was the prince who was coming and making reconciliation on our behalf. And so when you read the Bible and you read about the ministry of reconciliation, they're talking about peace. He's talking about the fact that God is making peace between us and them. See, here's the thing. We love the loving God. I read posts. I read a post just the other day where someone's talking about how they're coming back to Jesus. And they're like, but I'm coming back for a Jesus that's like this, 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 and this. And I'm like, no, you don't get to come back to Jesus on your terms. That's not real. See, God already has a character. God is unchanging, and there are facts and truths about him that we can't hide from, but rather we embrace. And here is one of the facts and truths about God. Ready? God hates sin, and by the nature of his character, he must punish it. But God, while we were a far way off, wanted peace with us because he is a loving God. And so he sent his son because he had to punish the sin. And so he punished it. The Bible says he was pleased to crush his son because God finds joy in smashing out sin. But once we embrace Jesus, we can no longer have the sin because it's been crushed. And we are just at peace with God, regardless of what I do today, tomorrow, or what I did yesterday. Jesus already took it on the cross. And that's what real peace is. Amen? When you are justified, it's a judgment statement. Judge, justified. And by justified, he's saying the judge put his hammer down to you and said not guilty. And you don't get to go be guilty later. You're just not guilty. Because the gavel came down on his son. And you know what the gavel said? Guilty. Amen? God loves you. God has peace with you through Jesus. It's why we needed Jesus. And so like I said, on one end, we never want to deny the part of God that actually is against sin, that actually does make him a righteous judge because here's what it does. It makes the cross more beautiful. It just makes the cross deeper. And so when we hide from the depth of God's wrath against sin, we don't realize we're also hiding from the depth of his love on the cross. Because the deeper that anger goes, the deeper the love is that forgives anyway. Amen? And Jesus himself said, when one woman is crying at his feet, and he he says, you know what she's done? And what does Jesus say? He goes, she's like this because she's been forgiven for more than you have. And so she understands this love deeper than you do. Right? And so the deeper we understand the depth of our lostness before God, oh, so much more beautiful does his love become. And I do think that many of us who keep falling back into our sin patterns, it's because we still don't perceive our old life before him as really that bad. 
but it put Jesus on the cross. And so it really was that bad. Now we can't take that and then translate it to, so therefore I suck. We turn and go, if it really was that bad, but he forgave me anyway, I'm that valuable. And so now understanding the depth of God's hate of sin teaches me the depth of my value. We don't want to shy away from these doctrines. They exist for a reason. And we don't want to hide from the part of God that we don't find as sexy. Right? I like this part of God, so I'm going to keep him. But this part of God, ooh, that doesn't really preach. So I'm going to hide that. I I, I love the God who gave his son, but I, I don't love the God in the book of Judges that killed an entire people group. It's the same God. I love the God who forgives and keeps forgiving. But I don't like the righteous judge part of God that comes in and teaches me when I've sinned and actually calls me to be greater. But it's the same God. And the more I understand one side, the more I understand the other. Because they're never at war with each other. Because God is consistent within his character. And again, I want to say this again, that some of these doctrines aren't, pretty to preach in church but what they do is you look at peace and you're like oh man it it's so beautiful i i I don't deserve this because now i understand even more just how bad it was and yet you gave it to me anyway which is why i'll never deny the song reckless love Oh, we have another verse. I was excited. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace. Can y'all say access? Access. Say it again, access. Access. Now, think about this. You have access to God. Think about it. Meditate on that because that will preach. Now look to your neighbor and let them know that they have access to God. Because you matter. I want to read those two verses one more time. In Jesus' name. Yeah, it worked. (laughs) Anyway, uh, therefore, so you can do all things in the name of Jesus. I'm just kidding. Uh, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have, okay, because I've been justified, I have peace with God. Salvation and peace are inseparable. However, salvation did come first. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like I got saved and then like a couple days later I had peace. It's like safe peace. Right? And because of salvation I now have peace and he can't take it away. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love the book of Ephesians because here's what Paul says. He says that Christ is our peace. Through him, through who? Jesus. I love whoever said him. You're hilarious. I love you. Uh, Through him. Who is him? Him. He's him. Um, Through him, we also have obtained access. Access by faith. Now, faith, again, faith and peace. Inseparable. So, same with faith and hope. Inseparable. And, because we talked about it last week, faith, uh, peace and joy are inseparable. 
Check out how many times in the Bible the Bible will say joy and peace together. Because peace is externally why I have joy internally. Amen? So by faith into his grace or this grace, which is cool, uh, in which we stand. Stand. Not sit. Not fall. Not tire out. Not fall to our knees and not step back, but, but stand. This, this language of standing is something Paul talks about frequently, where he says, having done all, stand. Because it's God who's going to give you the victory, right? So it's not your job to go get the victory. It's your job to stand. One of my favorite sections of Scripture in all the Bible, and I could have preached it this week, but instead I'm just going to reference it is Shammah. He's one of David's mighty men. And the Bible talks about he was standing in a field when it gives a big rundown of why all the mighty men are mighty men. And the Bible says that Shammah stood and the people to his left and the people to his right ran. But it said that he stood and defended the field. And what the Bible says next is, and thus the Lord won a great victory. And so Shammah had a strength inability to stand and God won a victory for him because he stood in the face of the attack while everyone else ran that's peace he had peace how often does David say this when he's going out to battle and he goes I have the Lord on my side that's not joy that's peace that's a statement of fact who is this uncircumcised Philistine why is he yelling at God's people see we're at peace with God so God's gonna smash this down why is he yelling at us oh because he's big and strong give me a sling I'm gonna handle this peace the book of judges every judge was also called a peacemaker because they brought peace to the land that was subjected what do they do? They said, oh, God said we're going to win this. Let's go. Peace. See, it's the external peace that gave me the internal strength to run, to fight, to stand, and believe. And we rejoice, which is rejoice is, rejoice is just the action of joy, right? So, again, it's inseparable. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Glory means weight or presence. We rejoice in the hope of the weight of God on us. How do you get the weight of God to land upon you? You go into his presence. How can you go into his presence? Because you have peace. Amen? When we worship and God shows up in a room, that is peace in action. Amen? All right, faith leads to peace, and peace leads to access to God. And so I'm going to pray, and we're going to talk, and we're going to enjoy. But really, I've got three main points, but mostly two. And the first point is just, what is peace? Right, and we talked about it, but I want to describe it. And I want us to really think about it. And the second is, what does peace allow us? And so uh, I'm going to pray, and we're going to get this party started. Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room.
Uh, God, I thank you that you are our peace. God, I thank you that we get to walk freely into your presence because of the sacrifice of your son. God, I pray for every person in this room that we wouldn't just take peace as we perceive peace, Father God, but there would be a shift in us to truly understand the depth of peace that is freely given to us as your followers, as your sons, as your bride, as your daughters. Father God, we thank you for peace. We thank you that while we were enemies to you, you made a way. And welcome us in as sons and daughters. And in Jesus' name I say, amen. Um, I would say in the human, natural, human realm, uh, I have a few really pivotal relationships. Um, but it's funny, almost all of those relationships that are really important to me now, they all started on bad terms. And so for today, I'm going to talk about my wife and my other wife. Uh, a couple a couple fun little stories really quick. Um, and you can decide which one's which. I'm just going to talk about them both. Um, so Thomas, right, uh, first. I mean, not, not, I met him first. So it's just not in, not in any particular order, just chronological order. Um, <laughs> um, so, so me and Thomas, right, uh, I'm sitting in class. I'm new to school. And usually when people are new to school, they're shy or uncomfortable. I am full of myself, and so I just assume everyone likes me. They don't, and I still assume that, so not a lot's changed. Anyway, so I'm sitting in class, and the teacher just starts talking, and they're like halfway through a book. I don't know what book they're reading. I don't read yet. I read now, uh, but back then I was like, readings for losers, and I'm a winner. Right, it was The Crucible, so we're reading The Crucible. For the record, still haven't read it. Um, just, and I got an A, so just think about it. Um, but it's because I made a pivotal relationship. We're about to talk about it. Um, so I'm sitting there in class, and she's talking, and I'm like, all of this means nothing to me. And so I start to scan the room, because I'm going to pick out a nerd that's going to do my homework for me. You say it's rude. I say for one, it worked. Got an A, and for two, and have a best friend out of it. So whatever floats your boat. Uh, needless to say, I didn't know Jesus yet. But I knew me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and I was real impressed with that guy. Um, so I'm sitting in class, and I scan the room. And I'm like, I need someone nerdy. <laughs> Look how handsome he is now. Obviously, it didn't affect him. He just kept moving. Um, and I scan around, and I'm listening to people talk. And then, and then I turn around behind me, and there's a kid standing there, sitting there. He's not standing. And I'm like, this is it. This is my ticket to an A. <laughs> and so... I pivot back, and, I, you know, I don't want to puff him up with pride or anything. And so what I say is, hey, kind of smart kid. I didn't want him, like, you know, we got to start on good terms. Like, hey, kind of smart kid. I don't know what possessed me to do that either. Uh, so uh, I used to be, I used to be more of a jerk, right? And so, hey, kind of smart kid, can you help me with my homework? And he did. And it worked. And I thought we were cool. So like, my, from my perspective, our relationship's fine. From his perspective, I'm a jerk, right? This guy, he's emotional, that's the problem. Um, but but so, so now we have this relationship, but it's not loving. It's not genuine. I'm in it for something. And probably in his own way, he's in it for something too. Leave me alone. If I help him, he will leave me alone. 
right? And so we ended up becoming friends. We ended up making peace. But our relationship started rocky. Now, let's fast forward. We do an intern program together. We find Jesus together. Um, he gave me drugs. Before, yeah, not in that order. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm, this is last week. What are you guys talking about? Um, no, he, uh, um, so, so he gives me uh, drugs, right? And, and, and I come home, and I'm high, and my dad is used to do that, too. So he's like, I'm, I'm checking stuff out here, right? And, and so they ask me, you're high, aren't you? They didn't ask me. They told me. And I said, yeah, Thomas gave it to me. They didn't know Thomas. I didn't need to give that information. Gave it entirely. Right? And then I came to school the next day, and I was like, hey, my dad knows you gave me drugs. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, and he wants to, because Tom, he, dad told me, and this is, he's still figuring out Jesus, if I ever see Thomas, tell him I'm going to kill him. And so I passed the information on, because I don't hide things. I'm, I'm very truthful. Um, if anything, I don't, like, if out of all my graces, one is, yeah, hey, he's going to fight you, probably. You're going to lose. Um, and he's like, what? Are you serious? So that's our relationship. Now we fast forward, we find Jesus. He gets saved. My dad tells him, you get one, right? You, you found Jesus. You're a new person now. If I'm really going to take the Bible, I have to assume that's all in the past. So we're good. So I take the intern program with him. And, um, and then she was in the intern program. But see, most people who know my wife know she's shy. I just took her as stuck up. And so right off the bat, I didn't like her. Uh, so now, now it's kind of flipped. How I thought me and Thomas are on good terms, and he's like, I hate this person. Uh, I'm playing guitar, and she sits down and goes, wow, my dad plays that song. And I said, and I quote, cool. And I went back to playing guitar. She tells me later, I was so excited because I finally talked to someone. And I'm like, I thought you sucked. Uh, I thought you were terrible, and I didn't like you at all. Um, so that was my opinion, and I'm still finding Jesus. I'm still in process, and I didn't like my future wife. Um, I liked aspects of my future wife, but I didn't like my future wife at the time. Um, Thank you, Isaac, because uh, the joke was awkward, so we were either going to laugh or just sit in quiet, um, but it got her a husband, so what are you going to do? Um, and, and so we're not cool, and she starts talking a little bit more, and I'm like, oh my God, you're so annoying, right? That's just my perspective, because I thought she was stuck up. Here's what really happened. Someone walked up to me, one of the girls, and she goes, she's only going to marry a Russian, so you should just leave her alone. Got him. You know what I'm saying? Um, but so, so we made peace, right? But, but both of these relationships, they weren't genuine. And that's because they weren't built on a foundation of peace and mutual respect. And so literally, I think so many of us walk in a lack of peace with the people around us. For one, because we're kind of oblivious to how we treat people, which let's be real about that. Uh, but for two, that is literally the definition of a lack of peace. Right. And so with us in God, I know many people, especially in America, who me and God have a deal. But we can't actually live our lives like that because God has a standard. A standard of relationship. And that standard brings us into peace with him. What's the standard? Except Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. What does that cause me to do? It causes me to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, body and strength. And love my neighbor as myself. You'll know you're at peace when you're living that out. Because if peace is just living out and living in that constant relationship with God, 
and I'm not walking like that, then the fruit of, of spirit of peace isn't in me. But if the fruit of the spirit of peace comes in me because I have the Holy Spirit, that would mean the Holy Spirit's not alive in me. But the Holy Spirit comes alive in any person who believes Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. So we're right back at salvation again. Salvation brings us peace with God. And peace is always relational. Even if it's a business relationship, peace is always relational. When two countries are at war, it's the example I keep giving, there's no peace. But when they are not at war, there's peace between them. Because the countries are in a relational peace. Right? Does that make sense? And so when the Bible says you who were children of wrath, he was saying you who were not at peace with God. But now you've been reconciled, which again, anytime you read reconciled, peace. I have peace with God. That's just reconciliation. There's more to the theology of it. But really, all it's saying is you have peace with God. There's a nitty-gritty to it. There's an explanation of what that means. But reconciliation is peace with God. And so now me and God are at peace because I accepted his son as my Lord and Savior. Um, to continue this kind of thought just a little bit farther, I want to say, can you guys say Irene? See, that's how a bunch of white people say peace in Greek. Uh, but I'm not white. Yeah, but you said it with me, and you copied me, and that's how we, I don't have an accent. There's like, you got to roll that R, like Irene or something like that, but I, I can't. So go to your uh, Strong's Concordance. That won't help you. Go to Blue Letter Bible, look up this word, and just click it, and the person will say it to you. Because I clicked it like eight times, and I was like, I'm white. What are you going to do? Like this, I cannot do this. I'm trying. And then I sound, you know, have you ever sat in like a Mexican restaurant? And not to like be racist, but with your, any white person, and they try to talk in Spanish. That's why I don't. And I'm always sitting there, I'm like, that has to be more offensive than it is complimentative. You know, like I'll sit with my dad and, and like, and he'll order and he'll be like, I'll get the tortilla. And I'm like, what? Because when you're with me, you say, hey, can you grab the tortilla real quick? And I'm like, yes. And I'm like, that has to be more offensive than it is like, oh, he's trying. It's like, oh, wow, you're a jerk. Right. So I see it like that. So I don't try to do this. Uh, but Irene, you know what I'm saying? Um, and Irene is literally the Greek word for peace. And it really translates to the tranquil state. Uh-oh. Tranquility, that's like a weird word nowadays. But tranquil is like, picture like just a meadow, like a slight breeze. Maybe some birds chirping. Tranquility. Of a soul, so the tranquil state of a soul. So now the cool breeze is in me. Internally. Of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. So peace is why my insides can be calm. And, and, and there's a really old, old story about a king. I should read the definition first. Um, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot, whatever it is. Because peace makes me part of a new kingdom, which makes me not earthly. And so, therefore, true peace means I actually don't care what's happening in the physical, provided that I am content in the supernatural, right? Because although I do believe God gives riches, the Bible doesn't promise Christians riches. It promises God will give you what he feels will best bless others. And that's why I think oftentimes it translates to riches. 
Because if I have cash, I can bless people, and that really is the heart of God. And so he'll bless me provided that I'm blessing, but there's no promise for that. You don't get to name it and claim it. Like, this is my podium now in the name of Jesus, although I did kind of take the podium. Um, but, like, it doesn't work with anyone's car. Like, I would trade my Nissan today for most of the cars out there. But that doesn't mean I get to just lay my hands on it and be like, and this, this is my car now in the name of Jesus, right? That's, that's not how it works. How it works is God's going to give you what God thinks is best, and sometimes he thinks a hoopty's best. But if you're at peace, that ain't a big deal. It builds a lot of character. <laughs> and that's why you have a hoopty, character. Um, uh, so there's a story. There's a story of a, of a king, and, and he held it in an in, in art show, right? I don't know why he's a king, but it's a story I've heard a long time ago. So he's a king. I could say he's a businessman. It wouldn't change the story. Um, but this king it, it is, says in the art festival, I want you guys to paint, draw, write poetry about whatever, but the the definition, what you guys are painting about is peace. And he looks at all these examples of these people who come with all these paintings, and he's about to declare the winner as someone who painted a river, just flowing. And when he's about to do it, he notices the one next to him has a storm, has a flood, has rain, it's chaotic. The water in the river, because this person is, is sploshing up, and it's, you, you see lightning, and, and, and he looks at the person, he goes, why is this peace? And the person points to the center of the picture. In a cave, there's a dove sitting on a, a branch. And he says, real peace is this dove being calm regardless of the storm around them. And the king says, this is the winner. And so you take that kind of definition and you realize that, listen to me, I'm a spiritual being living on an earthly, living on earth. I'm not of this kingdom. And so regardless of my earthly lot, which is what the picture of the chaos is, I'll be at peace because this stuff doesn't define me. Only God's going to define me. Amen. And so, and so peace is not tranquility on the outside. Peace is the fact that I'm staying calm regardless of the fact that there's not tranquility on the outside because I am right with God, not with this world. Because in Matthew chapter 10, we're talking about peace here. Let's talk about, let's talk about the verse that never comes out in a peace message. Ready? I don't have the verse here, but you all know it. Ready? Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. That's not the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. And see, so some people can take that message and go, so we're supposed to go to war because God, and no, you're wrong too, right? This isn't spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is being right with God. Spiritual warfare is keeping your peace regardless of the circumstance. That's real spiritual warfare. What this is talking about, Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword between father and mother, brother and sister, husband and wife. What is he saying? That when you join me, you become an enemy to everything else. And so what he's saying is, I didn't come to bring peace to the world. I came to bring peace to my people. And so what he's doing is God defines peace as being right with him. He does not define peace as your circumstance. Far from it, actually. He promises your circumstance is going to get a little crazy. But he says, because of that, peace will keep you. 
So if your bank account's good and so you're good, that's not peace. Can you be good when the bank account's bad? Is the answer no? Then it's not peace. Can you be good while you're sick? Because let's point out to Aaron real quick. Aaron's sick today. And honestly, you wouldn't have been able to tell because he was at peace. And where most people, because I saw Aaron today, and um, he, he sounded like an angry baritone. He's like, boy. <laughs> right? And by the way, that's as deep as I got. Um, and, and so he's talking to me, and I'm like, oh, he's not going to be able to sing. And Aaron goes, I might not be able to sing. And Aaron comes up here and prays, and then Aaron goes, guys, I'm going to sing. That's peace. That's peace. I can't do this. And oftentimes, my lack of peace is very logical. And no one would argue with you. I'm sick today. I can't come in. You're right. But maybe peace would say walk anyway. And believe in a healing. Or maybe believe a healing won't come, but I still got something I got to do. Peace is... Peace is tricky because God's peace promises earthly resistance. It promises a sword between you and people. And by the way, if you look at the definition, if you look at what Jesus is really saying, the sword isn't from the Christian's hands. The sword is from their hands because they don't accept what you're about. We saw this in action this week. And if you're political enough, you might really disagree with me. Um, But I'm not talking Democrat or Republican at the moment. Because uh, truthfully, don't particularly care whoever's preaching Jesus the best or whoever's policies I feel like best line up with the Bible. That's always who I'm going to vote, um, regardless of my opinion on them. Um, but today, not today, this week, uh, a story really came out of that woman. I'm sure you guys have heard it, who, who went into this room, a cop, and she killed a man. And it's getting really political because it was our white cop killing a black man and one of the te- one of the the people who was a witness to this situation actually said i heard gospel music in the other room before he died so he was listening to gospel gospel and i think he said tupac which is funny because like i had totally crazy but whatever you're gonna do i remember my wife and i were walking home from our this is our our um honeymoon and we're walking away from Disneyland, and there's two girls talking. And they're like, what do you have on your iPod? And this little girl's like, oh, I got Bethel. I got Hillsong. And I was like, yeah, this straight believing in Jesus. And she goes, and I got mother fucking Tupac. And I was like, what just happened? But that's like a real thing that I witnessed. And I was like, yo, what just, what? Right? And, and so what we saw, what I saw in her is a distinct lack of a separation between the God in her and the world in her. And that is not, see, if, it's, if you're trying to play this game of how can I be best in the world while also having Jesus and just stay good with both, you'll never be good with both. And truth is you're probably going to compromise Jesus so you can be more loved in the world. But, okay, so this woman comes, because I got sidelined, because that story's hilarious. And every chance I get to tell it, I will. Um, so th- this woman shoots this man, and it's a beautiful story. That part's not, but the story is beautiful because his little brother, if you watch the videos on the stand, and he says, I'm not mad at you. I don't hate you. In fact, I forgive you, and I think my brother, well, he'd want Moses for you to accept Jesus. 
And he looks to the judge and says, can I hug her? And it's like, he's like, I would really like to hug her right now. And, and I'm seeing people in the comments saying, this kid's an idiot. I'm like, no, this kid knows Jesus. But you'll never understand that because you don't know Jesus. And so this looks like foolishness to you. And I saw the sword come down. And people thought, no, this, it, you, know, you know what the main reason people were hating on it? Because let's face it, it was against an agenda. Because truthfully, white people and black people don't hate each other. Especially not the Christian ones. That's in fact, and that's a truth. See, we love each other, and we stand firm with each other, and this kid proved it. He didn't say, I have peace when the circumstance is good. What this kid said is, I have peace, and my God loves you, even though this circumstance is probably one of the worst things I can possibly imagine. And he hugged her. And if we're being honest, she cries in his arms. And she got a breakthrough. Let's face it, she did not deserve and that's us. That's us. I didn't deserve it. I committed the sins. I committed the crimes. But the son still gave me forgiveness anyway and welcomed me into his presence. Guys, that's the gospel. Don't hate on this kid. And honestly, don't hate on this woman. She's on a process. And I believe this process is going to yield some good fruit. But here's what happened. Now there's groups saying, trying to bring the situation down. Because at the end of the situation, the judge got up. And gave the woman a Bible. And she accepted Jesus. And so here's what people are shouting. Separation. How could she bring a Bible? She's a judge. That's wrong. That's not okay. The sword. And here's the fact. The reason why. Well I, I'm good with God. And no one's ever mad at me. It's because you're not making true grace moves. Let's face it. Do you forgive your neighbor when they're rude to you? Or do you gossip with your coworker? Right? Because if I'm at peace, my coworker's going to hate me because I'm like, no, they're good. They, they get it. Hey, don't talk to me like that. Don't, don't talk about them like that. But there's a sword, and oftentimes we don't want to walk in that. And so we avoid peace with God in the name of having peace with the world. But Jesus says, I came to bring a sword. And that's that part of Jesus well, he meant just for that culture. That doesn't even make sense. Amen? Peace will so focus my heart on the goodness of God that whatever happens to me here on earth will never affect my heart and its affections for God. Peace will so focus my heart on the goodness of God that whatever happens to me here on earth will never affect my heart and its affections for God. If you're trying to give someone the gospel, and they're Christians, and their answer to your message is, well, you haven't lived it, you don't understand, so you can't talk to me about this, they have no peace. It's wrong. You don't get to tell that to a Christian who's giving you the word of God. Because let's face it, most of the time, the people who are going to get you through a storm are people who don't understand your storm. And because they don't get your weaknesses, they won't let you walk in them. They're like, get up. They're like, you understand me. You're right, I don't. Get up. Right? And so sometimes you got to go to the person who hasn't been what you've been through because they won't give you leniency when anyone else would have. But what's going to get me out of this is someone putting their shoe up my butt and saying, you have God and you have peace. Get into your secret place. There is a bridge made by the blood of Jesus, and you got to walk right across it into that secret place. What is peace? I'm two months too early for this talk, but Luke, chapter 2, 
Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Pause that. Peace with God is only when you're right with God. Careful who you preach peace to. There's a bad theology out on it. The peace is only for those in whom he's pleased. And he's only pleased in his son. But when we take the blood, we become his sons and daughters. Jesus is born, and he's a baby in a manger. And there are shepherds out. And the angels appear, and they say, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among those in whom he is pleased. Why do they come and say that? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. The earth receive his peace. Because we could not have peace with God until Jesus. And when Jesus came, the promise was set in stone. There would be peace. And so the angels appear. And they say, peace. Because you're about to get made right with God. Amen? And he gets up. The Bible says Jesus is our peace. And he goes and he calls 12 disciples. And he begins to teach them. So that they can teach others. And he begins to pour his truth to them. And they have moments of weakness. And Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die. And one of his disciples says, no, don't let it be so. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because I'm going to make peace. Because peace is only on the right side of following God. And what you're doing is of Satan because you're trying to stop salvation to the world. And he teaches them what he's there for. I forget about it. He teaches them why he's there. And he goes into cities and he preaches. And he tells people the truth. And they begin to follow him. But then eventually they begin to hate him. And he goes into a city where people deny him and they spit at him and they revile him and he leaves. And when he leaves, has anyone ever spit on you before? Something turns off in your head. You're done being logical and now you just want to hit somebody. And he's getting reviled and he's being mistreated. Someone ever punched you in the face and you really turn the other cheek? No? Amen. I appreciate that truthfulness right there. Have you really experienced this? So Jesus is walking, and if we're being honest, any one of us are pissed. All 12 of his disciples are mad. And then John looks back, because John's the lover, and he says, Lord, let's drop fire on this city. And Jesus says, I only imagine very calmly, he says, you don't know what spirit you're of. Because we bring peace. And he continues to teach them. And he continues to love the people that society says you don't love. Because he was bringing peace. And he walks up to a temple. And on the wall is a warning sign. A lot of people don't know this. On a warning sign. And what it says is it's a message to the Gentiles written by the Jews on their temple in the day of Jesus. That says we are not held responsible if you die in this temple. Because the glory of God kills those who don't belong. There's a warning on that temple, and Jesus cleans that temple out. He prophesies, and he loves the broken. He goes to prostitutes. He goes to people who are possessed by demons, and they leave at peace with God 
the people who thought they knew it could not find peace in God. And listen to me, this is very alive in our world today because we don't understand what godly peace looks like. We reject it. And that's why we can see a judge get up and bring salvation and we can have the nerve to get mad about it. Why was the judge sentence so lenient? I don't know. Because people are saying it was very lenient. And I can see why they would say that. But, but maybe the judge saw genuine grace. And in the face of genuine grace, your heart softens. And maybe because Christ was in a room, this judge walked in a way they wouldn't have normally walked. Because there was genuine peace. And then we're going to reject it. Because it's not our brand of peace. But our brand of peace has to be Christ's brand of peace. Which is I turn the other cheek. Which is I don't bring fire down on those who deserve it. Which is I love and I die for them. He walks into a city. He eats with his disciples. He tells them this is it. They have communion. He goes into a garden, and they fall asleep. And while they're sleeping, Jesus is praying. And while they're sleeping, Jesus is crying. And he's alone. And when Jesus picked those disciples, he knew from the beginning of time, they would always fall asleep in my moment of need. But he picked them anyway. And he had to take that loneliness because i got to tell you, I've been lonely before. And he had to understand it because he's our sympathetic high priest. And so he had to be lonely. Have you ever cried and just wish someone from your church would call you? Just wish someone would give you a hand and they just don't? So does Jesus. And so he prayed and he wept and he reached out and he woke them up ever reached out and gotten slapped down and said I'll just be alone then yeah Jesus did too and he said I- I'm alone this is too much it's in his weak biggest moment of weakness we see in all of scripture because he's actually asking God can we not do the cross thing because it's going to be excruciating do you know what excruciating means from the cross that is what that word means And because when we think of pain at its worst, and we use the word excruciating, we can think of no greater pain than the cross. And so our English language formed around that truth. And he's saying, can you not stay with me? Amen, I've been there. But this is what peace is. He had to go through all of it so we didn't have to. He had to face those sins so we would never have to face them. And he's alone, and he's tired, and he's bleeding, and he's crying. And at the end of that prayer, you were prayed and gotten up, and the situation didn't change. When he prayed and got up, there were soldiers waiting with weapons to kill him. Where was the answer? It wasn't. The answer was, God's calling me to go through this. And I'm going to have peace in the middle of this. And for the joy set before him, he walked into that midst. And when they tried to take him and Peter pulls out a sword and he cuts off that that ear 
And Jesus puts it back because Peter still doesn't know what spirit he's of yet. But Jesus knows and he's going to make a way. And so he goes before Pilate and they mock him and they send him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And have you ever been mistreated? Have you ever been sent back and forth? Because no one really wants you around. And so you hop from group to group just hoping someone will love you. Well, so does Jesus. And he went through it for you because this is what peace is. And he goes and they sentence him to death by a cross. And the Bible says that Pilate flogged him. Flogging is a whip. Pronged at the end with metals and bones and rocks. Because the whip wasn't there to lash you. The whip was there to pull out skin. The whip was there to take a chunk out of you. And so they flogged him, and they whipped him. And, and typically, people died. Death was common. And if he would have died there, it took the easy way out. We still would have had to face our own cross. But he got up. And they put a crown of thorns on his head. And they mocked him. And that's why we get to be at peace when we're mocked and at peace when we're beaten. And they put a robe on him and they hand him a reed and they bow before him. You know, there are actual stories of Roman centurions that would take men on the way to the cross and play a board game with them. And I don't mean as in they would sit down and play a board game. I mean, there would be pieces on the ground and these people carrying the cross would step on the board and be the pieces they'd play the game with. And Jesus is walking, and most likely, his intestines are showing. And most likely, things are broken. For sure, blood is showing. And they beat him with a stick that they gave to him as a scepter, and they ripped off the cloth that they gave to him to mock him with. But they left the crown so the pain would last. And they offer him wine with gall. A lot of people know that gall is a poison that sometimes killed people before they got to the cross. And Jesus said no, because he had to go to the cross. And he walked, and then when he walked, they came with another wine, wine mixed with myrrh. Because myrrh dulls pain. And he said no, because he had to take the cross fully. And he goes up, and he drops his cross, and he can't carry it anymore. Have you ever been so weak that you can't just pick up what God's calling you to pick up? So is God. Do you know why he can't carry his cross anymore? They tore out his back muscles. They're ripped apart. There's no strength anymore. The tendons are jacked. And so someone else had to carry the cross. And he goes to the cross. And they hang him between two sinners, people who deserve to be on the cross, people who are there for a valid reason. And what do they do? They mock him. And he takes it with grace. And they put the nails through his hands, actually just above his wrist. And they stick his feet to the cross, and they overlap him, and the nail goes through both feet. And they hang him up. And the Bible says the centurions are now casting lots for his. 
says, here's, this is a beautiful detail that we'll get to. It says, for they were on watch. So these centurions, it's their job to watch and make sure these three people die before the end of the day because it was a holy day. And Jesus could not survive until the end of the day. Did you know that if you go to the cross, you didn't always get flogged? They didn't always flog every person who went to the cross. Do you know why Jesus got flogged? He needed to die by the end of the day. He wasn't allowed to survive that day because he would have been alive into into a holy day, a time that he should not be alive. And so the reason why the cross is excruciating, I'm sure many of you have heard it, but let's let's reevaluate this. You're hanging, and the pain is in your wrists, and the way your rib cage is structured is it's squeezing your lungs, and so you can't breathe, and so you have to pull on the nails and push with the nail in your feet so you can breathe, but then that is too excruciating, and you fall back down. And so he's going through this cycle. Why didn't he just give up and die at that time? He had seven things he had to say. Seven parts of his ministry that were not done yet. That's a future series though. I really want to preach on that. And he spoke seven phrases from the cross. Six technically because the seventh one was I'm dead now. Um, the Bible says he gave up the ghost it is paid in full what's paid my debt of my sin to Talisty does not mean it is finished it means paid in full and now they have peace with God and when he's up on that cross he cries out just about the most heartbreaking section of all of scripture My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God's a good father, but in this moment he had to be a righteous judge. And he turned his back on his son. And man, it's not the same thing, but that'll preach. I know many of us in this room have had their dads walk away from them. Jesus can experience that too. Because he died alone. There's a song about it, and it hits my heart every time. I can't listen to it without crying. And it talks about how Jesus died alone, how his father turned, his disciples turned, they all left, and he died completely alone. You have to realize this is the first and only time in all of history where Jesus Christ was ever alone because his father was always with him. But there is something our brains can't understand in a turning away. And God had to look away from Jesus so he could look to us. Because God will judge sin. And he had to judge his son. And as his son died and gave up his ghost, and as he died and gave up his spirit, because at the end of the day, no one took Jesus' life from him. He gave it freely. And he saw this as worth it. But the, the Holy of Holies, the veil rips. Because what was the point of Jesus' death? to give us access to God. What does peace do? It gives me access to God. And as Jesus dies on that cross, in that moment, 
It's funny, if you actually look at the timing, most people believe that he died at the time of, this, of, of a sacrifice in the exact same time because he was fulfilling a sacrifice for Passover. And the veil rips. And a centurion, it says a centurion who was on watch, falls to his knees and say, truly, this is the son of God. What was he doing before that? He was casting lots. He was putting a crown on Jesus. He was handing him a reed, and he was beating him with the same reed. And now he's giving his life to Jesus because Jesus died even for those who mocked him. And Jesus died even for those who forsook him. And Jesus died even for those who in his life never had any interest and didn't care about him at all. Jesus' death is fully encompassing. And we fall to our knees in the presence of that beauty. And we, you know, we get to do with that. We get to go into the presence of God. And it doesn't get taken away from you because you don't get to sin enough to nullify the cross. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So because he's sympathetic... Please, next verse. Because he's sympathetic, we should have confidence and draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So because Jesus went through everything we went through, that actually empowers us into the presence of God. This is a weird statement, but your sin should empower you to run into the presence. It shouldn't cause you to shy away. Because he's sympathetic. Because he understands the, the desire to lie. And because he, does, he understands, at least to a capacity, the burn of lust. Because he understands, at least to some capacity, the pain and anger, these things that he never would have acted on, but now he begins to understand. Because he's sympathetic, he doesn't look at that and go, I understood and I made it, so you should make it too. He looks to his dad and says, no, this is actually difficult. Show mercy. No, I experienced this, and this is actually a real struggle. Show mercy. And the mercy is all-encompassing because he lived an all-encompassing life for us. And he died an all-encompassing death. And I want if to, if you shy away from the presence of God, you're not at peace with God. And I want to welcome you into having peace with God. Because it's not my place to give it to you, it's his. And if you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you already have And so many Christians, we have such a hard time embracing peace that we never walk into why we have peace in the first place. Peace is for the presence. And what does that presence do? It prepares me. Ephesians 6, 15, the armor of God. And shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Peace is why I evangelize. Peace is why I stand strong when I should be weak. Because my feet are prepared by something. And it's specifically peace that the Bible would attribute to the reason why you get to stand. 
So when Paul was saying, having done all stand, he's saying, put that peace on. Recognize who you are. Recognize what's been given to you. And recognize there is no excuse because every way was made. Walk in. I understand the hurt. And I understand the, the temptation of, I don't deserve this. I shouldn't walk into this. I understand the feeling. But we got to go. Because the peace is already in us. And the Bible would say that we are messengers of peace. So we're just, so Jesus Christ made peace and we embrace peace, which just goes into the secret place and that secret place prepares our feet to stand and walk. And we use that standing and walking to bring that message to the next person. And the reason why I think evangelism is dying in this day and age is because I think real secret place is dying in this day and age. And I think real secret place is dying in this day and age because people do not understand just how at peace with God they really are. And one of the biggest complaints I hear against the church is, well, the church is corrupt. Sometimes. And guess what? Those people that you hate for being corrupt, they're at peace with God too. Peace isn't fair. But peace teaches me to give grace. Because you guys don't know what I know about me. And so I can't hold against you the things I see in you. And peace is genuinely leads to forgiveness. And that's why I believe we see a young man on the stand forgiving the murderer of his brother. Because he had a, a peace that surpassed all understanding. And now we really get to the heart of that verse. A peace. You are so right with God, you can't understand it. You are so forgiven by God, you'll never understand it fully. You are so loved by God, you can never fathom it fully. So quit looking at God like he's your dad who misused you. And look at him like he's the dad. And quit looking at him like he's that friend that stabbed you in the back. And that person who, if you annoy them, they, want to, they don't want to be around you. But if you're cool, then they'll hang out with you. He's not like that. You can't understand the depth of his love. Because no matter what you do, you're always welcome back. And that's the proof. The proof that you can't understand it is the fact that whenever you sin, you think you don't deserve to go into the presence of God. Because you don't understand it. Just go. Only one person's going to teach it to you. And there's only one place he's going to teach it. So I'm going to call the band up. The whole band. All like five of you today. And no, Will, Will is not wearing a bomb. It is just his outfit today. like a really not funny joke and then you look at it and you're like oh my god wait a second it's kind of funny if there is anything you're going to take away from the day take that away you can't understand the depth of his peace the depth of his love for you you cannot understand the fullness of it and here's what that is not licensed to not embrace it that is licensed to mean it's always more than you think you can't out explain the love of god i've said this quote before it stays with me francis chan just kills it with this quote. Isn't it amazing that you can't over-exaggerate your God? You cannot over-exaggerate the love of God. You can't. 
Now, it's got to be within his definition of love, but you can't over-exaggerate it. But the love of God for a Christian, you're just in it, regardless of what you did and regardless of what you're about to do. Don't use that as an excuse to sin. Use it as an excuse to sit in his presence even longer. Use it as an excuse to know that he's actually going to take care of you. And that bill and that doctor's appointment and that cheating spouse and that abusive person and, and those kids or whatever it is that your thing is, whether it's your porn addiction, your drinking addiction, your drug addiction, it doesn't matter. Jesus took it. I'm going to pray out. And I really, oh, it's been a while since I've done this. Um, will you hit those lights? Um, I haven't called the intercessory team up for a while. And I'm not going to today. Um, I want to encourage you to not leave this. Um, and I want to encourage you not to let the overwhelming apathy that embraces our culture to cause you to walk away from this unscathed. Embrace something you've never embraced before. A real, genuine peace. A peace that's like that bird that just nestles right in its nest, regardless of the storm, regardless of the thunder and the lightning, regardless of the wave and the flood. But you don't understand what I've been through. He does. So come on in. Amen. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship. Um, have your time with God. And once you really feel, maybe go pray for someone else too. And speak over someone else. Because we don't come here on a Sunday to hear one person talk for an hour, even though it might seem like it sometimes. Because he never stops talking. Oh, but I love you guys. And more importantly, God does. And more importantly, I don't care what ministry you're serving in. Go into the presence of God today. I'll go greet. <laughs> and be the info booth. And I'll clean. I'm just kidding. I can't do all that. But, um, but there's no time limit right now. Just go before God. Uh, dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room. I pray the peace would be real. And the peace would go deep. We would truly understand peace for what it is, God, by your word. What promise is buried so deeply in that word? I pray that hearts would be softened before you. And those who long for your presence and, and, and long, maybe even long to want to be in your presence. That you begin to soften that as well. You would guide and direct. First should be personally, God, and then we take that message to those in need. I pray for a church that embraces peace fully, personally, communally, and in this world, God. I thank you for the testimonies that will come from this. I thank you for the words that will flow from this. I thank you for the breakthrough. God, I thank you, God, that I'm not prophesying a change of circumstances today, God, but I'm prophesying a change of hearts that would weather any circumstance. 
that we would love you when losing our house, God, and we would love you when getting a new one, and that we would love you when in our hoopty, God, and we'd love you in our Lexus, God, and we would understand peace regardless of circumstance, and God, our identity and how we define ourselves would be through your peace and not through the descriptive things of this world, God, and in Jesus' name, I pray a blessing over every person here, God. Amen.